Dan and Corey here, welcoming you into Libservative. All right, welcome in to Bourbon Banter 22.0 here of Libservative, the first show of, 20- of the year 22. That's kind of poetic, isn't it? Yeah, did I just rhyme and without even realizing I was rhyming? <laughs> That's what it seems like. It's not even. <laughs> I'm still. I'm still getting over that. Whatever this cold is, hope still hoping that it's not COVID. I don't want to make anybody mad. What do you mean you didn't get tested, you asshole? Don't worry, I'm not around anybody. It's almost gone. Relax. <laughs> He's Corey Walsh, and he is Dan Griffin. And Corey has decided to partake in a dry January. All the alcoholics yeah. out there are thanking you for. I'm doing your, it for the team. Your commitment. <laughs> the team of alcoholics. So what are yeah, you? Yeah, no, I'm uh, Day seven. It's probably the longest I've gone since 21. To be honest with you. How do you feel? <laughs> I feel good. I feel great. Have you lost any weight? I feel I, I hear like if people stop drinking alcohol for like a week, they've uh, already lost a couple of pounds. I guess maybe maybe I've shed some water weight. A, a pair of my pants did feel a little bit looser, but I wasn't sure if it was like from abundant of stretching at work, like grabbing stuff, or if they're actually falling off my ass because I'm losing it. But uh, yeah, other than that, like I don't feel I didn't have any withdrawals or anything, so that's comforting. that's comforting (laughs) i on the other uh, hand am enjoying a delicious tom collins this evening nice with with fresh i still have my basil hayden's in the liquor cabinet that is just waiting for me on february 1st it's waiting for you just waiting i decided to go with the tom collins tonight because i wanted a little bit of a summer flair uh because it is as cold as it's been in the Midwest in quite a long while. In fact, right now, I believe it's about nine degrees, which I actually did some math on this, Corey. I did some number crunching. It turns out that the temperature outside in Metro Detroit right now is actually the exact same temperature and dryness level of Laura Ingram's vagina. I don't... (laughs) I don't. I don't. I. I did the math. I. I crunched all the numbers. That's exactly. I'm about to see the work. That's exactly. I will. Show you, I will. Show, I got some graphs right, right here that I. Uh, that I put together. Jokes aside, uh, her vagina is has to be very very dry, doesn't it? She is pretty. Uh, she's pretty pent up. Yeah, she just. You could. It's, what's that? What's that? Uh, uh, Ferris Bueller line: If you shoved a lump of coal up her ass in two weeks, you'd have a diamond. Yeah, yeah. Now that is something I probably would agree with. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. Corey, where do we want to start tonight? Do we want to start with the positivity, or do, well, actually, we could definitely start with the positivity because uh, the three assholes that murdered Ahmad Arbery were uh, were sentenced to life in prison today. Yeah, thank God. You know, and like, like I remember when that ca- that case came out. It came out right in the midst of like George Floyd and uh, all the um, like what would we have? We had George Floyd. Oh, I'm I'm drawing a blank on the on the girl's name, Brianna Taylor, and uh, Ahmad Aubrey. And this one was one of the most disgusting ones because it was like a hundred percent, like damn near premeditated, intentional. Like they saw him running, they gathered up the boys and hopped in a pickup, chased him down, and shot him. Um, it didn't come out right away until the video was released, and that's when they were arrested. So right from the start, it looked like it was going to be really rocky and really shitty. 
Georgia doesn't have any state hate crime laws. And uh, the way it shook out, I mean, this is just one case stacked on top of other ones. We've had a lot of really good rulings in the year of 2021. This one came from 2021. The ruling came today on January 7th. Well, the sentencing, at least. They, they'd already the, the been sentencing, convicted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it's it's uh, a lot of cases setting precedents for us that are in the right case, right going in the right direction. And um, when I was listening to the, I was listening to the last like 15 minutes, I just wanted to hear the sentencing and see if you could see any of them fall out or cry or anything so I could laugh at these racist bastards. But uh, they kept, they were pretty stone faced probably because they don't have any remorse or heart. And, <laughs> but there was a part that, but the judge was talking, he did this thing and it was like, it was really, really uh, like it really hit, I guess it really made you think he sat there and he goes, all right, he goes, I'm going to make this courtroom. He goes, I'm not going to talk and give a moment of silence. Just one minute, which was a fraction of the time that Ahmad Aubrey was running. And I don't want anyone to talk or whatever. And I was in the car listening to it. And like there, it was, it was silent for a minute. And like your mind just starts to really think and then put yourself in his shoes. Cause he said, like he was talking about, he was running, you know, for five minutes and I'm sitting there just thinking like how terrified he probably was in the last moments of his life and literally, literally running for his life. Isn't that interesting? And it did, it made me really like get a little emotional. I was like, holy shit. Isn't that interesting? Because you think about like, you think about a minute, right? And like, we've all microwaved popcorn, right? It feels like it's a fucking, it's in, it's in the, it's in the microwave for an eternity. But when it it was actually for your life and not something trivial. Yeah. And, and, but, in other cases, a minute seems like it's super fast. Like we've already been talking here for four minutes. It seems like it's been one minute. And when it's uh, when it's a situation like what you're talking about, it seems more like the popcorn scenario, which is an which is an even longer eternity than it is, you know, just waiting for your poor popcorn to come out of the microwave. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, like yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was um, definitely like. I, I can't even think of the words, but like in that minute, just thinking about it, just imagine just running for your life for five minutes for to no avail. The amount of thoughts that can go through yeah. through your head. And then and then take that and to put it into an even uh, greater context, you know, the amount of time that Derek Chauvin was leaning on uh, George, George, George Floyd's yeah, neck. 46 can, seconds. Could you imagine that? Jesus. You want to talk about yeah. an eternity. Yeah. What a... Yeah, what a shitty way to go. Shitty ways to go for these poor people that they're uh, the people who did it to them uh, are actually going to be facing some time. So that's good. Three, two out of the three, life without parole, and then the one who was videotaping, he was they like uh, he has a chance for parole because he didn't actually kill anybody, but he was very very complicit. Yeah, he was helping use his truck to try to box him in. After thir- yeah, so he's, after thirty years, he gets he he becomes eligible. He gets for a parole. chance. Yeah, yeah. And now, how old are the? I mean, because he's he's also because there's the dad, the son, and then the 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 guy with the camera was obviously. I, I honestly, I have not paid attention to these two to these three assholes' names. I don't really care what their names are. I've just Nick seen Michaels and yeah, Roddy. I've just seen a, a a few a few images, and uh, the two older guys are pretty old. I mean, thirty years he's got to sit in prison without. Without parole, I mean, what's he going to be in his eighties, in his nineties? Yeah, the camera guy. I'm surprised he actually didn't get a uh, an extra charge for his terrible haircut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the guy had a really shitty haircut. I might, so. Hey, I might, that might be the one thing that will turn Laura Ingram on. You just, you, just, you be careful. 
Be careful. This is going to become a running joke. I love I love the amount of time you spend on Laura Ingram's vagina. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fascinating piece of lady bits. It just is. <laughs> it's just I just you, it's one of those if I saw it it would be like a train wreck. I got to know what's going on down there, but I really don't want to know. <laughs> let me let me see your downstairs mix-up. <laughs> Let me oh, take a sip man. of my coffee. You like my coffee? It has a little C on it. Yeah. Yeah, because your name's Corey. It's I for cock. You. Ah. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, kidding. It's some, for Corey. Something Laura Ingram doesn't enjoy very often. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and one thing also I forgot to mention, for any of our listeners that are interested, our stickers did come in. Ooh. The uh, the Join Libservative stickers. And uh, if you want one, let us know, unless you don't live locally, I guess. I don't, unless you want to pay for the postage. I'm already way too much money into these things. <laughs> <laughs> Join our movement of uh, making thinking sexy again. Yeah, you know, it's just, uh, let's call balls and strikes on both sides. So I mean, right now, somewhere. I can already see like a conservative listening to our show for the first time and hear me <laughs> say, say horrible, terrible things about Laura Ingram and thinking that we're like, crazy leftists or something but just stay tuned i can promise you that's not the oh, case. oh yeah yeah no no that's not the case at all <laughs> then, we call, then, we, then he we might see uh your tulsi both sides might see your tulsi poster there behind you and and think differently that's signed it says aloha cory tulsi <laughs> why wouldn't she uh why can't she just become a republican <laughs> and that's what they're saying because they'd wash her up and spit her out too <laughs> they just like her because the dems don't like her that's yeah. all it is hey we talk- like, you don't know any of her policy we've talked about it before that's what the uh that's what the conservatives do well man they just if, if oh the libs don't like these people we're just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna take them in even if they don't want to <laughs> like be Kyle part of our house written house this pro blm kid who's like a lifeguard <laughs> yeah or any of a barry weiss joe rogan the, the weinstein weinstein brothers now all of jordan them. peterson yeah, yeah. There's people that are vilified so fast. Yeah, Robert Malone, people Jimmy that, Dore. Jimmy Dore is the biggest leftist out there. <laughs> they just fucking hate him. Hey, you're an anti-vaxxer. Oh man, yeah. No, it's that's that's basically over here to talk about is breaking down these barriers of this binary, oversimplified thought processes that everyone has shoved down their throat. Hence, why our ticker at the bottom says "think make thinking sexy again." Not anymore. No, talk. No, it's nope. talking about a Mott Arbery. Three men sentenced to life. Now it's I love back. that. I love this new ticker. Yeah, by the way, guys, you know, new streaming platform. This is our first time streaming to YouTube. We're going to see how that goes. It's and then uh, swimmingly so far. Yes, yeah, swimmingly. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'm hoping that, that this works out good. More positivity, Corey. Uh, vaccine mandates are coming, or aren't they? Oh, yeah. Is that positivity? Are it's, we saving like the actual positive stuff for the end? No, I'll go. This we'll, is a very subjective positivity thing. Yeah, we'll go us, into I that guess. next. I mean, it's positive for somebody. It, it's positive for, for whatever echo chamber you happen to be in. If you're a, if you're a, a, a horrible, illiberal liberal, then uh, you would be happy to see them come down. Uh, if you are the opposite of an illiberal liberal, which is an illiberal, immoral conservative, you're, you're probably, <laughs> whom I actually agree with on this one, you're going to be happy if they don't come down. Yeah. So it's coming down to the wire. I think January 10th was like the, uh, is the date that OSHA recommended people start creating rosters for vaccination statuses and companies that have, have a, over a hundred employees. But, and like, like we just had a meeting at work today about it, actually. They were like, oh, I guess, I guess we got to get a roster going for you guys. But, um, 
right now it's in the court system and it's looking subjectively, depending on how you feel about mandates, you know, not about vaccines, but mandates themselves and whether or not someone should be mandated to get a vaccine. And we should clarify, uh, Corey, uh, for, for anybody who might be new to the show and anybody who might be an old listener that doesn't listen, uh, we are not anti-vaccine. We are anti-mandate. And I know to some people that's the same thing, but we're not going to have a conversation with those people. No, absolutely. The vaccines work. People like people that are vulnerable should absolutely get them. But if someone chooses not to get it, then they shouldn't be have their livelihood held over like them hold they shouldn't be held over a barrel via their livelihood by our government to say, you know what, get this vaccine or you could potentially lose your job. And look, a mandate is a, a borderline violation of the Nuremberg Code. What we Corey and I this one in particular yeah, is Corey and I went over uh, went over the Nuremberg Code pretty uh, heavily in our uh, a show prep, and you know it's basically you can't force somebody to get a medical procedure. You just I mean that's really what it boils down to. Or when it is something like what these vaccines are, which is still experimental medication, you can't force somebody to take place in an experiment. And I basically have that right. Yeah, actually, I'm pulling it up right now. I'm going to read it off. And so, um, the Nuremberg Military Tribunal's decision in the case of the United States v. Wait, that's it's not. It's called the Nuremberg Code. That's so. The Nuremberg Code was created after Viet or after World War II against the Nazis of uh, when they were putting them through the trials of war because of the way they treated the Jewish. And uh, the very first part of the Nuremberg Code uh, is the violence that. Bleh, that uh, one of the stipulations for the Nuremberg Code for uh, humans in general throughout the world is the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. This means that the person involved should be have legal capacity to give consent, should be situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior, other ulterior form of constraint or coercion and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision. This later element, this latter element requires that before the acceptance of an affirmative decision by the experimental subject, there should be made known to him the nature, duration, and purpose of the experiment, the method and means by which it is to be conducted, and all conveniences and hazards reason reasonably to be expected, and the effects upon his health or person which may possibly come from his participation in the experiment. The duty and responsibility for ascertaining the quality of the consent rests upon each individual who initiates, directs, or engages in the experiment. It is a personal duty and responsibility which may not be delegated to another with impunity. I didn't. Re I read it way better the other night. Well, whatever. That's such a word salad. <laughs> so many big words. It's basically saying like, hey, if you're going to have anything, if you're going to do any sort of medical act on somebody, that you have to have consent. Yeah. Without coercion. Without, where does it say? Well, and you know what? You know what? I think I think on the on the crazy uh, illiberal liberal side, what the argument would be? It would it would be well, nobody still nobody's nobody's forcing you to get it. Yeah, um, not directly, but if I don't get it, I don't get to work. Like, well, it says right here, uh, should be situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force. Fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint oh, or coercion. Arrest, 
I would say that your livelihood is coercion. And, and I would say I that, would say that the threat of not having a livelihood anymore would be a threat of duress. Uh, the element uh, without any intervention of any element of force, you're literally putting an ultimatum on people. And there, the the other thing is, well, you can get tested. You know, just get a weekly test. Sure. What's the rule on that? Is the work going to pay for that? Is the person going to have to take money out of their own pocket to do that? I can just I can just hear people right now. Just get the vaccine, man. It's easier. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's if not, you're it's not the point. It's not the point. If you're though. susceptible to it. Yeah, if you're susceptible to, susceptible to a sickness, and because the vaccine, time and time again, shows it lowers hospitalization rates. It uh, makes you not as sick. And if you have any sort of like, I don't even want to use the word fear because it makes you sound like a right leaning person. You know, if you have any sort of apprehension towards it then you shouldn't have to do it. If you think that, I mean, if you have any sort of apprehension against the virus itself, I guess, and you want to actually live your daily life and have this, uh, this science, you know, this medicine as an extra barrier of protection, then a hundred percent, you should do it. We've been advocating the vaccine on our show, you know, since the beginning, but we are a hundred percent against the mandates. I think it's absolutely insane. The people on the left of all people should understand my body, my choice. Yeah, and you you can't forget the idea that yeah, it's it's so interesting that 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 has completely flipped <laughs> that the whole my now body my right choice thing it. is completely. And they never, we did that for a red blue pill, I think, actually a couple a few episodes ago. They go, yeah, but you're killing people, and that's the rebuttal from both sides. Because <laughs> <laughs> we live in a clown world, bro. It's just so it's so stupid, um, but. The it's it's starting to look like uh, the Supreme Court's leaning in the right direction on this. And what's interesting is I never thought I would say that because I was I'm I'm and here's here's just a, another great example of how you know uh, opinions opinions can change as facts change. Corey, you talk about that a lot, and you know when uh, Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett were you know about to be brought into the Supreme Court, I was fucking. Lost their minds. I was I was when I was one of them. I was absolutely furious, um, because I, I was furious on the one hand because for some reason liberals don't get this idea where that they need to vote based on a little bit more based on what's what's going to happen to the Supreme Court, which is something that conservatives do actually pay attention to and vote on. Yep. And so this is what happens. You end up with this completely shifted court, which I thought was going to be a really bad thing. And it might still be at some point in the future, right? These are lifetime appointments. We might have you know uh, issues when it comes to uh, climate law and, and other things that I and, and others may care about. But in this case, in this case, can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm saying it. Um, I'm actually kind of happy that we have a, a, a conservative Supreme Court to rule on this particular thing. Oh, absolutely. And we're probably going to eat our words on this within the next co- like in months or years to come. And I'll be happy but, to do so. <laughs> yeah, and I'll be glad too. But like in this case, yes. Uh, the six three, the six conservative, three liberal, uh, judges uh, looks like again right now on cnn.com uh they say the court appeared ready to reject of ready to reject of one of president biden's most aggressive attempts to combat the spread of covid19 a vaccine or testing requirement aimed at large businesses but in the separate challenge so there two challenges there was i mean there was like a bunch of challenges brought but the two that they're focusing on was the the osha enforced vaccine mandate 
and vaccine mandates aimed at certain healthcare workers. And which, by the way, OSHA uh, OSHA has has no authority to put forth a mandate. Right. I mean, occupational safety health. Uh, was it associate, not association, administration? Yeah, they make sure that there are no code violations. That's what they're for. Right. They're, yeah, they're not, yeah, code violations at the workplace. They're not there to dictate people's livelihoods because guess what? I'm not at work 24-7. Yeah. I'm there eight hours a day. Yeah, workplace. So you're forcing me to something to have for work for the, the rest of my 16 hours? It's just silly. Um, be nice if you could just like put on like a vaccine patch when you go to work. You take it like off. a nicotine patch. <laughs> <laughs> but in the separate challenge, some justices seem more open to a vaccine mandate aimed at certain healthcare workers. The court heard arguments for almost four hours. The three liberal justices on the court expressed clear approval for the government's rules in both areas. Of course they did. But so we were talking a little bit about uh so hopefully that's gonna get overturned. It's gonna get knocked out, you know. And, but uh, the healthcare workers is kind of a tricky one because, like, at least it has like a warranted argument, right? But if there's healthcare workers that don't want the vaccine, I think they're warranted to make that same decision as you and I are. Yeah, well, especially because they've I, probably I, been exposed to it. I agree with that as well. And and the reason I like so if there if there could be actual definitive proof that this vaccine actually stopped. Or, or slowed the spread of transmission. I would be I would be a lot more willing to uh, look at look at healthcare workers being mandated to get a, a vaccine a lot more seriously. But we know that this vaccine doesn't do that. It yeah. doesn't stop the spread. It doesn't stop infection. We know this. This right. is proven. And like, you know, anecdotal evidence doesn't hold in the court of law. But when we're just bullshitting like we do on the show, I know I could count. I probably need both hands to count how many people I know now that are vaccinated and got COVID. They're fine. None of them went to the hospital. None of them got deathly ill or anything like that. But I mean, yeah. I mean, look at Australia. You're only allowed in and out if you have a vaccine. They got COVID. How does that happen? Because it doesn't stop the transmission of the virus. It's a leaky virus. It's a leaky vaccine or leaky vaccine. I mean, yeah. And, and this this isn't this isn't anything new. I mean, there's a, there's a reason we haven't been able to eradicate influenza or, or or any other respiratory virus because they're they're tricky like that. You can't. You, they're you know. a living being that just focuses on surviving, and it's just straight down to evolution or Darwinism. If it's gonna if one if one strain mutates to circumvent the uh, vaccine, that's gonna be the one that dominates and when you're putting up all these speed gaps you're making the virus work harder to let itself survive like we're making we're giving it more work to become more of a efficient machine at spreading itself and replicating and reproducing yeah i mean when you give everybody a vaccine now it doesn't now it has to fight that vaccine to survive yeah, and I mean that's a that's a controversial statement, but it it's definitely a, a a statement that's based in logic. It's something that Brent Weinstein talks about a lot, and certain other virologists talk about talk about similar things to what you just said. Um, yeah, there are valid arguments against it. However, um, actually, I, I really don't know if there are really valid arguments against it. The, the The best argument for the vaccine is that the data shows that it does a really good job of preventing serious illness and death, which means if you're afraid of serious illness or death and choose to go get a vaccine, go get a vaccine. 
It's funny because that's where the argument should end. I shouldn't have to explain all that other stuff in the first place. No. <laughs> you no. know what I mean? Like, you shouldn't have to say like, well, listen, this might not work because of this. If you want the vaccine, get the vaccine. The arguments, the, because we are still arguing about this vaccine as if it is going to stop the spread of this virus. And we have known yeah. for over a year now that that's not what this vaccine does. In a world where goalposts are moved by the second, for some reason, it's this just, one is just cemented in the ground. It's just incredible. There's nothing left to argue about. It, it, but we got to right. do it. We got to do it because there's lots and lots and lots of money involved. We all know I this. I knew you were going to say money before you even said it. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. This is going to be the high. This is going to be the high, the most profitable medication in the history of the world. These vaccines, absolutely. And you know, so what do you Subsidized do? Subsidized by the government. Yeah, and so so has I mean, empty pockets. Of course, of course, of course, you want everybody to get a vaccine because lots of people get to make money on it. And and you know what's funny is that like the the people that think everybody should get vaccinated and and lose their shit when you, you know, when you talk about well, I'm pro vaccine but anti mandate, and they they don't really know how to deal with that. They don't really know, you know what I mean? They just so kinda, they just go to their talking they, points. Yeah, they just kind of freeze and go to their and go to their talking points. It's of advocating the vaccine. It's like, dude, you're wasting your breath. I understand. No, I get it. I'm yeah, advocating the vaccine. Like I told my parents, they need to get it. I tell all the people in my family, if they're vulnerable, especially, you should probably get the vaccine. <laughs> That's what I say. Just like, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I know, I get it. But you should, you should probably get it. But it's yeah, it's simple. If it if it stopped the spread of the virus, we could have more of a we could have more of a legitimate discussion about mandates. Would you agree with that? Yeah. If, yeah. If it wasn't so leaky, maybe then the other argument that I was talking about of it thriving on trying to circumvent it wouldn't be a conversation either because it would just be a firewall they still it still wouldn't about, be able to get in and then learn how to replicate around the vaccine and then leave they still talk about you know this I mean? fucking vaccine as if it is going to end covid i mean it's it, not going to you, you covid's ending covid you don't yeah you don't need to open your eyes very wide to understand that that's just not gonna happen it just yeah. isn't so what are we arguing about right like we still are on the flu virus yeah. You know, you know, we still have to make a new vaccine for that. Like, is that what this is going to be? That's fine. I don't care if they have to give out a new COVID vaccine every six months for people to get boosters and stuff. That's fine. Just don't mandate it. We don't mandate the flu vaccine. No. Michigan's actually one of the only states that doesn't even mandate vaccines at all for kids to go to school. I think there's 12 states in total that do that. Yeah. Don't they leave it up to the district? Because I remember I remember having to get them. Did they leave it up to the I district or was it uh I have no idea, but our out-of-state listeners don't give a shit. Right. <laughs> or did they just make it like vi- like uh like encourage it strongly? I mean, I know that there's still exemptions, right? There's always there's always been like religious exemptions and things for vaccines. Right. Various other things. Which also if you're an anti-vaccine general, it's like uh, just stop. Just stop it. <laughs> like oh vaccines God. save lives. Vaccines are used on all the food you eat. They use it on all the farms. Vaccines save Dude, lives. you know what I find so interesting is that before before COVID was even a thought, uh, I can't even remember. I saw a documentary. I can't even remember what it was called. Um, it might even have been that that pandemic documentary about you know the possibility of the flu taking over. Did you see that? It came out like right before COVID. It was on Netflix, and. There were all the all the anti-vaxxers, like the old school anti-vaxxers, anti-vaxxers that like won't get their children vaccinated from anything. Dude, they're all hippies. They're all liberal hippies. 
Every single yeah. one of those people that like w- wouldn't get, get get their kid the measles and the MMR vaccine and you know and, and and everything else that you have to get, they're all hip. Now it's like completely shifted to the other side. Yeah, no, well, I think the hippies are just being quiet. They don't want to be outed. That's so yeah, good well, job, Dan. You blew it for him. I guess I guess I did. Sorry, hippies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're finding they're finding common ground with the right. Isn't that kind of funny how this is working out like that? Um, that's why we do the show, Corey. That's why we're here every That's week. Why we do the show? <laughs> That's why I get dressed. Shall we spread the positivity, Corey? Yeah, let's spread some positivity. I gotta pull up the right graphs here. Um, so something that I we actually meant to get to in our year end show, we did not get to until today because we were, we went over too much positivity leaving twenty twenty one, and we're trying to spread it back in. To 2022, start the year on the right foot. I wanted to talk about two two things that we are often told about on social media, in the news, um, from economists and and basically every walk of life, which are climate change and poverty. Right? These are two things that we're taught are absolutely uh, catastrophized and, you know, it's, it's going to be the end of the world and there's too many hungry people and California is going to fall off the edge of, uh, the United States, which some people might support anyway, uh, to joke, relax, relax, California. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I don't think we often look into like the relative positive data as decades and years have gone by regarding these two particular things. And I'll start with, because things actually are better. Now, you know, you might get some, I might get some New York dog walker uh, that might scream at me and say, uh, well, yeah, but it's not good enough. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. But occasionally we can have a look at the data and realize that things are better. And, that doesn't mean we can't have a long way to go. I mean, Corey, don't don't we often talk about you know racism in America, as far as you know how it's we still have a long way to go. Obviously, we just talked about the the Ahmaud Arbery murders earlier in the right. show. We're getting there. We know we racism exists, but if you want if you want to actually sit here and pretend like it's still as bad as it was in 1963, you know why don't you know actually talk to a black person that actually lived back in 1963 and see if things are better or worse. Obviously, they right. are better, and it's okay to recognize that sometimes. Without you, shouldn't have to be. Oh, you're just downplaying the the, the problems. Not downplaying the problems at all. <laughs> Absolutely not, as evidenced by uh, the Ahmad Arbery case. Absolutely. So I wanted to start with climate change because okay. um, what are the talking points that you often get from you know people that are seriously freaked out about climate change? You often get. Um, you know, we need more renewable energy. Okay, we need. Uh, you know, we we have we have more kilotons of CO two per year, almost every year, in the United States and globally. And what are some of the talking points you get from the right? The I don't know that you can really call them climate change deniers anymore. I mean, people will, but I would like to refer to them a little more as skeptics, as far as. Uh, yeah. You know, not you've heard the goalpost moved to where now it's like, yeah, there is climate change, but how much of it is actually from humans? Their biggest talking point is like, okay, well, even if we reduce our emissions to zero, uh, China's still polluting. What do we do about the rest of the world? 
Right. And I think that's also a stupid talking point because you still have to do your part. And there's actually been some more and more data coming out of China that China's kind of starting to realize that like, hey, look, um, polluting the earth and, and causing global temperatures to rise, probably not good for our bottom line either because we got a lot of people getting sick from horrible, yeah. horrible pollution in Beijing. You know, so like even even a, a socialist or a, or a communist uh, country like China recognizes that there might actually be some financial incentive to maybe bring these emissions down just a hair. Yeah, they might want to. They might make their people a little bit happier if they're not coughing up blood while they're enjoying their meager salaries. <laughs> so let's uh, let's pop this piece up here. Um, so pop that tear sheet up there. Yeah, pop that tear sheet up there. Uh, so this is U.S. carbon emissions, uh, CO two emissions from 1960 to 1921. And if you look at the, um, and this is from MacroTrends.net, something that I usually trust. Um, you can see that obviously the overall kilotons has gone up significantly since 1960 with a couple of dips, but peaking here, it looks like in like 2007. And this is what I'm talking about, about the positivity, right? Like, is it enough? No, but like, notice how this number trends down. Yeah, we get a little bit of ratchets, but it's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's good to see that like, it, it, you we have to continue to try to level off emissions, but it's good to see that that overall number is at least flatlining. Like you have to start with something, right? Right. And like, and when you look how long it took to get there, it's probably going to take somewhere. Unfortunately, it's probably going to take some sort of trend like that for this to go back down. There's, you're not going to see just a sudden drop. It's going to be gradually going down. Like it gradually went up. So in 19, from 1917, not 1917, 2017 to 2018, we're at the lowest part of the lowest since 1994, 1995. Like, that's 20 years prior. 30, almost. Yeah. And then if you look at uh, metric tons per capita from 1960 to 2000, I think that's 18, that's been steadily dropping since 2001. And it's actually below uh, 1980. Yeah. Per capita, it was actually, we were actually at our highest in 1973. Below 1960. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. It is. Yeah, if you go all the way back, it is below 1960. I because 1973 was when people started freaking about freaking out about the emissions for the first time. It was like, okay, this is a real problem. That's when you you first started seeing unleaded um, gas and, and, yeah, and automakers doing things to reduce emissions. And so the per capita number is actually really good, really good. Yeah, it doesn't mean we need to stop. It doesn't mean right. we're but done. Let's pat ourselves on the back a little bit here. Right. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. We're 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 working on it. You know. <coughs> we're like, and we're obviously doing what we're supposed to by making people aware of it. Cause we got young people even now, like to the point where they're becoming social media stars on this issue alone, like Greta Thunberg. You know and what I mean? I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Europe's numbers are basically right on point with ours when it comes to per capita and, and kilotons of CO2 overall. Yeah. And that's just the U S. So if you compound that into a lot of the different places, I mean, we are, we're trending. There's what is it? The earth is getting greener now. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, Oh shit. I actually think I had that, that, uh, that, Oh that, yeah. That NASA report. That, throw that tear sheet up there. I, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's just an article. 
Uh, but it's actually from NASA, and it's greener climate prediction shows plants slow warming, which makes complete sense, right? If you put more CO2 into the atmosphere, it's... I don't know uh, if you wanted me to add it, but I did. That's all right. Yeah, you can't probably can't really read it up there, but... Um, probably not. It's for the visual effect, Dan. So, yeah, it... <laughs> It, it makes complete sense that the, the you know plants plants breathe CO two right so the more CO two you have in the air the more uh, you're going to reduce emissions right you would think right it would eat up a little bit more of that CO two and it would actually make the earth greener which would then reduce emissions even further and the study from uh, or I'm, I don't think it was a study I think it was actually a uh, Oh, uh, what the fuck? What, what the fuck do you call these damn things? A modeling. They did a modeling. Um, and the cooling effect would be negative, or would be 0.3 degrees Celsius or 0.5 degrees Fahrenheit globally and 6 degrees uh, over land compared to simulations where the feedback was not included. So without this extra greening, those those negative numbers of, of warming would not exist. Right. So it's like, a good thing we could do is plant more trees. And you Thanks, you, Earth Day. Yeah, you've heard that. You've heard that ever since you were in elementary school about uh plant a tree on Earth Day. Uh yeah, about planting trees on Earth Day. And look, and that and that that's another thing too. Like a good majority of the lumber and paper, at least that we produce here in the United States, these are from, you know, pre-planted forests. This isn't we're not knocking down uh the rainforest, at least not in the developed world, like we were at certain points. These are trees yeah, Brazil that we- still being pricks about it. Bolsonaro is out there like, cut them down. Well, and why is that? Because <clears throat> it's lumber and he wants to sell it. And a little more poverty, right? Like it's really, and, and that brings us actually maybe to the poverty discussion, which is that the, the, the poorer the planet is per person, the worse it is for the climate, right? Because now you have more people using wood, which to, to, to for fuel, which is actually the the biggest pollutant. I think we talked about this a little bit last week, didn't we, Corey? About how slowly how through time, as we as, from, yeah. as we degraded our fuel from wood down to coal and oil and whale blubber, some of the other things that we talked about, the emissions actually started to decrease. So the 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 poorer the Earth is, the poorer the people are on planet Earth the worse it actually is for the climate. And the interesting thing about that is that the richer you become, the less you have to worry about where your next meal comes from, the more you're actually able to worry about the climate. It's an interesting dichotomy, isn't it? Yeah, when you're out there living in a hut, having to walk six miles to get fresh water and do all that crazy shit that some of these poor people have to do in these third world countries. Uh, I'm sorry, developing countries, if you want to be more PC. Uh, the last thing they're worried about is what the world is going to be like 10, 15 years from now when they're worried about their meal of tomorrow. No, they got to cook today. They need heat today. Th- they're going to cut down that tree. I mean, that's yeah, a lot just... of people can't afford to worry about climate change. And that might actually be one of the sticking points of like that is stuck in the uh, subconscious of people when they immediately knee jerk against uh, climate change because like a lot of them, you know, people work in oil fields, they work in coal mines and things like that. And you're talking about changing the livelihood of a lot of people. And as we just, so like, I'm kind of thinking about this as we're spitballing here. And like, we literally just had a conversation about our own livelihoods being held over a barrel. Well, not yours, but mine when it comes to the vaccines and stuff like that. And uh, 
I can understand that that feeling of like, like, whoa, what are you doing? When people try to talk about someone's livelihood when they attack oil and stuff when it comes to climate change. I get it. But uh, that doesn't mean that you can't still do it. And that's, I guess. And, I that's know. <laughs> you know, and that's and that's where we still need to get better. No, and and, and I'll tell you how how it, it could still be done. You know, if 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 big fuel really wanted to take it seriously and still turn a major profit, you know, they could find ways to do it. You know, getting behind yeah. getting behind uh, EVs, getting behind building nuclear plants, right? And, or and invest, yeah, invest heavily in the next cutting edge. When you have that money, when you're a big corporation like Exxon Mobil or BP and things like that, and you just have these billions and billions of dollars, instead of using that money to lobby the <laughs> the government to stifle climate change, why don't you use that for research and development? Well, that's what it's they, all tax deductible anyway, and that's what they and all then, say. Because big pharma does the same thing. That's what they all say they do. They're like, well, we need these government subsidies. We we need them for research and development, and like hardly any of it goes to research and development. It all goes back into the company and back into putting more lobbyists in Washington right. to get themselves in the pockets yeah, I don't understand of how politicians. They even use that as an argument because research and development is a tax deductible thing, a hundred percent. Like an employee. Yeah. Big, big fuel or big oil cannot sit there and say with a straight face that they can't figure out how to uh, get us further and further away from fossil fuels and still and not be able to turn a profit doing so. Like that's bullshit. Absolutely. <clears throat> Show me the numbers like Elon Musk. Right. Show me the numbers. Fix it. But as it comes to poverty, Corey. That's actually another thing that we're, you know, we're told world hunger is this is this horrible thing. And and here's the thing, dude. It it only is a horrible thing because of politics. It's not because we don't produce enough food. It's not because we don't produce enough food here. It's not even because the developing world doesn't produce enough food. And if you want to see that, I've got a source from the UN Food and Agricultural Organization that I will throw up here real quick for you to take a look at. Uh this is da- daily supplies of calories from 1961 to 2013 globally, right? So if you look at North America, that hasn't been an issue uh, in a long time. Uh, the only places you really need to look at really are the uh, are Asia and Africa, because everywhere else has been you know mostly first world for a while, with the exception of a few European nations. But even if you take a look at what, what do you think of as the poorest continent in the world, Corey? Today, I would say Africa, right? Either Africa or the Middle East. So even uh, even in in nineteen sixty one, average calories per day per head was about two thousand. That's below what you would want per head for a lot of reasons. Even all the way up to today. Africa, and I believe this is, I believe this goes, okay, it goes up to 2013, is well above 2,500 ca- calories per head per day. Now, should it be more? Maybe, but, you know, all the nutritionists tell you 2,500 calories a day, that's good. So there's not a ton of, there still isn't a ton of excess, obviously, in the poorest areas of the world, but there is enough. There is enough food for everybody to be well-nourished. And when you when you hear about people when you hear people talk about all oh, the starving kids in Africa, well, they're only starving because there's some coup 
or some authoritarian government that we probably put in place if we're really being realistic. Uh, oh, and yeah, in a lot of those countries, starving their like own people. That. Like that's what's happening. You're absolutely right. This this graph is pretty obvious, and so as it goes towards you know the positivity narrative. This is again. This is a a graph that is trending in the right direction for something that we're told is such a huge problem globally, and it is still a huge problem. But it's it's because of people. It's not because, uh, it's not because the food can't be produced for every single person on Earth. Because we always hear about like, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, overpopulation, right? There's too many people on Earth. I think right. that's I think that's mostly bullshit. I think that'll level itself off in its own way. Um but yeah, I mean if we're if we're talking about damn near eight billion people now and you're getting more food per head than you were in nineteen sixty one, I mean that obviously tells you that we have the capabilities of producing enough food to feed everybody on earth. Yeah, and it's only in like what's interesting too about it is like as uh technology and stuff continues to like advance. There's no way that these, like, unless short of human inter- in- intervention, these numbers are going to keep trending in the right way. People are using more and more technology on their farms to make the food more efficient, less cost, uh, and making it more efficient, more cost effective. They're using, farms now are using, like, technology to properly do water irrigation. There's more water conservation and more water, u- like, water's being used more efficiently on farms and things like that. There's, uh, it's just, yeah, these things are trending in the right direction overall with the food. Yeah, relative. Now it's distributing it more widely is another issue that we definitely have to work on and things like that. And- relatively better. You have you have more people living in cities um, in more of a, a, a – I, I understand, you know, this is more of an economics question that maybe we'll have on a different day. But overall, you know, the, the move into cities has made put people closer together. You know, it's made them be able to – uh, expand their ability of work. It's made them be, you know, more uh, have a better chance in a middle class lifestyle. Because I, you know, as as early as I think the fifties. I don't have this in front of me, but it, it's easy to find um, something like I think I think, I think it was nineteen hundred actually. Um, something like forty percent of the workforce worked in agriculture in the United States. Mm-hmm. Now it's two. It's like 2% and we're producing more food more efficiently with 2% of the workforce being in agriculture. By the way, still broke as fuck. If you didn't know, farmers are still broke as hell. It's getting harder yeah. and harder for farmers. Um, and that's for other political reasons that maybe we'll we'll talk about on a different day. Uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're getting fucked by uh, the big egg, big agriculture. You know, more and more small mom and pop farms are getting bought up by these big companies and they're coming in and stifling small business. It's just like any other industry. Forced to plant the Monsanto seeds. Yeah. 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 It's brutal. It's brutal to be a farmer. You work your ass off for almost no money. And then, you know, we sit there and we go, how come there's no lettuce when we when we walk into the, uh, the, into the Whole Foods? How come there's no <laughs> lettuce today? Where's my iceberg lettuce? <clears throat> Blow me. and with that on to the that's a good segue no i i think the only the last thing i want to talk about with regards to poverty is uh, um you know this is it's kind of borderline because it's not really as it pertains to poverty but it's 
you know, it's it's the workers' rights aspect of it all. You know, as as the middle class continues to shrink to, to shrink in the United States, uh, and the port the proportion of people that are closer to poverty get larger, and it it really makes me feel good about the fact that we are the first generation. I want to say since probably our grandparents, Corey that have really, really latched on to workers' rights to try and grow that middle class again. Because we Yeah, it deteriorated over the last, you know, fifty or some years from the seventies. Workers stopped fighting for themselves. They stopped fighting for themselves and and it's almost like I don't think this is true at all because I'm not one of the, the, these weird conspiracy theorists. But let's just say that like the conspiracy theorists are right and the government really is using COVID to like control us. I can mm-hmm. tell you that it's fucking backfiring. <laughs> it really, <laughs> really, really hard. Because, <laughs> you know, workers' rights are going at like, uh, are going way up. More and more people are getting unified about being against big government. There's a microscope on every single bureaucracy in our government right now, from the Department of Education to Health. Yeah, and and it's almost like you know I know where we are right now with uh, you know the 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 vocal minorities on the left and the right that we hear so often, but I think that's another I think that's another positive thing is that you know I, I could sit here as somebody who has traditionally leaned more left, and I could probably sit down with uh, you know a Trump voter. And I could guarantee you we could agree on, you know, wage inequality and we could agree on, you know, uh, uh, mandates. You know, I I think essentially you did that, Dan, in our second episode. Who's our second episode with again? I forgot. Uh, Eric. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he was the one that ran the the Metro Detroit uh, Trump campaign in 2016. Yeah, we did do that. And and that's the thing is like at the end of the day like everybody just wants to be more comfortable and wants to you know have enough money to pay yeah. their mortgage and it's amazing too it blows my mind like even all these people on the right and stuff like that like you hear people like Bernie Sanders say anyone working forty hours a week shouldn't have to rely on the government what is there to disagree with that because of the person who said it mm-hmm. you could still disagree with ninety things ninety percent of the things he says. But if you agree with ten percent of something he says, everyone's forced to say that they don't like him and don't agree with it just because they say it. I'll give you another great example. Um, I can't remember what what the tweet. What was the what was the tweet? Because we're going to talk about this in Red Pill Blue Pill. But what was the tweet that actually got Marjorie Taylor Greene booted from Twitter? I don't know. Wasn't it something that was like objectively true? It was. It, it had it had something to do with. Uh, I think it had something to do with. It had something to do with the vaccine. Um. But whatever she said, she spun it in like a really cunty Marjorie Taylor Greene way. But what she said was actually uh, not not that terribly off base. It certainly wasn't enough to be considered like dangerous. I can tell you that right now. It doesn't matter unless you can find it. Um, oh, that's August 9th, 2021. So that's not it. She's a vaccine. She was a vaccine skeptic, and look, I think she's a horrible human being. I think she's the biggest idiot to ever make it into Congress. But doesn't mean I think she should get kicked off Twitter for being a vaccine skeptic. Nor should anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Nope. Uh, at what point are we going to consider things like Twitter actual public squares? And uh, 
not just stifle people's voices based on what our personal convictions are. I will say this, though. The people on the right that were always bitching about at Jack, Mr. Jack Dorsey. Yeah. Missing that motherfucker. He's not there anymore. Miss, yeah, missing that motherfucker right now because you've seen right. what's happened since then. Yeah. Yeah, people are just getting just nixed from Twitter left and right, and then that other uh, platform, Getter, is moving up. Free market. I made a, I made a Getter, actually, for Libservative. I didn't make one for myself, though. I haven't either. Okay. Red pill, blue pill. All right. Might as well get yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Did we just, yeah, we already kind of started that. So the red pill, blue pill this week, for the new listeners, red pill, blue pill is we find a very heated topic that's typically, the arguments from both sides are typically very subjective and opinionated based in emotional outbursts. And <laughs> and uh, we just tried to pick through the bullshit and decide which side that's screaming makes more sense. And so for this week, the red pill, blue pill is the banning of Marjorie Taylor Greene on Twitter. So the red pill is, ah, this is censorship. This is violating First Amendment rights. And the blue pill is, ah, she's speaking dangerously. She's going to get people killed. <laughs> people are going to die because of what Marjorie Taylor Greene said. Oh, man, we haven't done a red pill and a blue pill in a while. It's also, don't forget, once a month, we do get a bullet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we get one shot, one cop out of four episodes to say, I'm not choosing either side. Take me out behind the tool shed and put me down like old yeller. Uh I'll let you start, Dan. Dude, I'm taking the red I'm taking the red pill. I'm taking the red pill all day long for a couple of reasons. One, I hate Marjorie Taylor Greene with a passion. Like I would I actually when I look at her face, I get mad. Just by looking at her face, her face Your makes face me pisses me off. Her face makes me so angry. But but I do follow her on Twitter, or I did, and I absolutely loved a lot of the things that she tweeted. I loved shit talking Marjorie Taylor Greene on Twitter. Oh yeah, how are you supposed to hate her if you don't know what she's saying? It now? was so much fun, and that's that's the that's the biggest point. Like I don't necessarily agree. Like I think I think the conservatives that are getting booted from Twitter or their people are getting booted from Twitter. I think they're they're the way they scream about it is a little bit uh, self-aggrandizing. I don't necessarily agree with the way they talk about it, but the overall point. I completely I completely agree with. I would so much rather know what Marjorie Taylor Greene is saying on Twitter in an open platform where I can see everything than you call her a dumbass. Call her a dumbass than than have her go to like some dark corner of the internet and spew her QAnon bullshit to 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 where only people that she says can see it can see it. And, and yeah. I, I felt the same way about Donald Trump. Didn't want him to get banned. For, I don't want anybody banned from f- fucking social media. I want it to be considered a utility. Right, exactly. And it's, uh, it is, it's like, it's, right now, half the country's okay with it because it's not their side. Wait till that's it getting, is. Yeah, that's getting stifled. But it's setting a precedent that, like, they're able to do it to whoever they want. You can just be banned. It could be something that I could say, though. Oh, yeah. Let's say you're a super far leftist, and then the right, you know, just gains control. And like, this happens to be a conservative that's voted into power because it's a public company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you know, they can vote. And they go, let's say it's swaying the pendulum, swaying the other way. And you're a communist and you start uh, talking about uh, 
the red, you know, and like social and like communism and stuff like that on Facebook or Twitter. And what are we supposed to go back to the red scare 1920s and you get put on a list? Like that's the type of shit that happened back then to liberals. They literally got put on lists because they spoke about socialist ideologies with like under McCarthyism and the FBI and all that stuff. And now it just happens to be happening to the right. So the left is okay with it. But as evidenced by history, that pendulum can swing back and forth. And it will. It will. And it will. Yeah. It might not be for another 20, 30 free years, but it will. Free speech is free speech, man. You know, like if some idiot has, has misinformation, has a shitty argument, then combat that with a better argument. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing is like, if you, if you, so everybody's got a phone, right? Like Sprint isn't going to deny, it can't deny me business based on what my political affiliations are. However, if I call somebody or I, you know, text somebody and I threaten them, I'm going to kill you. Guess what? The FBI or the cops are going to show up at my door because I placed a legitimate threat. There's no reason yeah. Twitter can't be the same way. But I, but right. if yeah, I but yeah. if, if I, there's legitimate threats, then investigate that. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. But if I if I if I text if I if okay, so if I have a group text that goes out to four thousand people, right? Let's say I got four thousand people in my Rolodex, four thousand people, and I say COVID's not real. Is Sprint going to take my phone away? Are they going to cut off my service? Right. No. And uh, yeah, and it, it's just like what you said. Like if someone on Twitter says a threat to somebody, then that's a course that they should be uh, investigated for and possibly face charges for. But it's just like if you have a phone and you have a phone number and you call someone and you threaten them on your phone and you get that charge, you don't lose your phone number. Like you still have your fucking phone. <laughs> yeah, <they take> away, <laughs> you know what I mean? That Verizon takes away your phone number because you called a oh, bat. You, oh my god, you called it you called a Republican? No more Verizon for you. And I get like it's a private company and they can make their own decisions. And I love how that argument is so arbitrary. But utilities that, like, utilities are private to this, companies too, Corey. Yeah. Like consumers yeah. energy is a private company, but it can't PG and E who went bankrupt. Yeah, it can't Yeah, so that's just it. Like I love how when it's a private company, when the argument for it's a private company is in your favor, you use it. But like in the same breath, when you say, Well, a private company can choose whether or not their employees have to be vaccinated, and you're like, Oh no. But then <laughs> when someone gets banned on Twitter, they go, Oh, well, it's a private company, they can choose what they want to do. <laughs> and it just doesn't make any sense to me. And it's just Back to it, like to round it back up. God, like we I just said, have free just... speech is free speech. I want to know what these idiots are saying so I can point to them and say, look at these idiots. 100%. That's the way I've always felt. It's like I would rather, like, I would rather, uh, uh, you know, a white supremacist group have a Twitter feed, you know, than be off on some dark place of the internet. I mean, there's, there's a lot of psychologists and, and, and others that talk about this. It's like it is so much better when these groups are out in the open than when they're fucking underground. You don't want yeah. them underground. No, I don't want them underground. Like then I don't know what like, exactly. I don't know what they're saying. I don't know what they're doing. How they're recruiting. Let's be honest. Uh, anyone who's listening to Marjorie Taylor Greene about any, even if she is saying dumb shit, they already believe that before she said it. They're in that <laughs> echo chamber already. Yeah. They just like her saying it because it fe- it's a feedback loop for them. Yeah. There ain't no sane person on Twitter that's like, well, boy, I'm sure glad these vaccines are out. And then they see Marjorie Taylor Greene say that and they go, oh, my God, she's right. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, if someone's an idiot to believe that shit in the first place, it's not Marjorie Taylor Greene that's changing their mind. (laughs) 
You're sure about that, Corey. You're sure. <laughs> That's enough. Oh, Put man. down the mic. Boy, I'm sure glad I saw that Marjorie Taylor Green tweet. I was about to get my booster. Ooh, she saved my life. <laughs> right? Like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that Lauren Bobert. She's an idiot, but she sure is hot. Yeah. She is. She's and, a cutie. And, uh, oh, man, I felt one way about Israel, but then I saw AOC's tweet. Now I feel a little bit differently. <laughs> <laughs> right. By the way, oh, you did never, never mind her voting stance on it. Taliban, Taliban still has a Twitter. You pointed out, yeah, to me, yeah, that's a, that's a very good uh, <laughs> piece to add to this. That the Taliban still has a Twitter. <laughs> the acting president of the Taliban of Afghanistan, who is Tal- who is Taliban, has a Twitter, just spreading his propaganda all over the place. And I'm not, and you know, misinformation, disinformation, and I'm not saying that he should be banned. I'm saying nobody should be banned like right. that. Short of like, obviously, if there's guidelines and things and like you're posting pictures of your balls or something like that on Facebook and you're not supposed to, then sure, you can be banned when there's rules and guidelines. But when it's just text, when it's just you putting letters in a certain way, if you the, know what I mean? But if those balls are shaved, you're good. As long as you shave your balls. I have a funny story about a ball picture, actually, but I'm not going to share it on the air. Remind me to tell you after. <laughs> Maybe no, one day I'll no. tell the... <laughs> Maybe when I'm uncancelable, I'll share that. Yeah, so I'm red pill. I'm red pill with you. I think that was pretty you easy. Know? That was an easy one. We don't yeah. we, we don't it's... often, like, it's not often that, like, the red pill is just goes down so easily, but this one really did. And it yeah. had to do with Marjorie Taylor Greene. What does the world come to? Yeah. Defending Marjorie Taylor speak. Greene was that easy to defend. Ooh, man. You know, right. like, Good how night, do we everybody. know the village idiot's the village idiot? I don't know. He's being an idiot. Can't you see? <laughs> <laughs> if we lock him up, then we don't know he's the village idiot. Oh, did you have anything else before I get to my monologue? Uh, No, I think that's it right now. All right. I'll get there. We're going to beat this one to death like Marjorie Taylor Greene's Twitter. So social life, social media footprint. I'll pull this thing up because we are going to, because uh, we we're going to discuss, um, don't look up, but we're going to be able to do that anyway, because that is actually what my monologue is about. That wonderful film. Don't look up, got it right, even if it got the climate change part wrong. Adam McKay and David Sirota's Netflix blockbuster Don't Look Up appears to be a simple film on its surface, a satirical allegory about the impending doom that will befall planet Earth in the form of climate change and how nobody cares to do the right things to stop it. In the name of money, ignorance, and arrogance, McKay and Sirota have said themselves that this is exactly what the film is about. But the thing I'm noticing most about Don't Look Up is that its merit is not its merit in the world of classic films, but the reactions and reviews for this film. The way it's portrayed by professional criti- critics and amateur critics alike, seemingly all based on political lines. Who could have guessed that? Well-respected thinkers on both sides of the, th- of the free market versus social regulation lines are reviewing this film on how they feel about the creators of the film and what it represents. If you happen to dislike David Sirota, 
who is a self-proclaimed independent and former speechwriter for Bernie Sanders, you may simply call the film a, quote, bad allegory, with absolutely no explanation as to why it's so bad. You may accuse the film of gratuitous star casting or being too arrogant. Again, why? The thing that seems to be missed by folks judging this film based on the superficial plot lines are playing into the deeper meaning of the film, which is that we just don't listen. And if we do listen, we don't take the time to analyze and question what we actually just listened to. We take the things that we hear as we take the, we take all the things that we hear as gospel because it quote sounds better to us. It fits the narrative that we think explains the good and the bad of the world around us. Truth be damned. A huge comet is plummeting toward Earth. I hear some very smart people say, quote, no way our government would just brush it off or come up with ways in which the science is wrong. It's a bad allegory for climate change. Climate change isn't the same. No settled science. A plummeting comet would be settled very, very quickly. Put the climate change stuff aside and look around you. If COVID has taught us anything, it's that intelligent and well-respected scientists and doctors don't even know what the fuck science is anymore. The inventor of the mRNA vaccines, Robert, Dr. Robert Malone, was just permanently banned from Twitter in late December. The man who actually helped create the technology for the supposedly world-saving COVID vaccine that so many people used to stand on a hill of false morality and spit at the peasants below. Why was Dr. Malone banned? For, quote, spreading misinformation about the vaccine that he fucking helped create. Imagine banning Henry Ford for speaking in a town square about the dangers of assembly lines. It's madness. Furthermore, the money angle is something else that seems to be missed when people are criticizing Don't Look Up. The satirical way in which a billionaire takes advantage of a crisis for profit. Another bad allegory? Not at all. Unless we've forgotten about the drug epidemic that has killed 670, I'm sorry, 760,000 people since 1999, more than two-thirds of which were due to prescription opioids, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. A buffoonish president and Congress refusing to agree on essential measures to save planet Earth based on political lines? Under the guise of just making sure the other side doesn't get a win? Morality and logic be damned? Let me point you to the ridiculous shortage of COVID-19 tests as Omicron rips through the world population. Or how the FDA is dragging its feet uh, on the approval of rapid tests, of which we have one approved manufacturer as of December 2021. And a manufacturer called Blink Science right here in Florida that isn't allowed to sell its tests domestically because they're not FDA approved, but has no issue shipping them all to Europe. Don't Look Up is a perfect satire, not just for how we deal with climate change, but to me, more importantly, how we deal with ourselves and with others, how we deal with the information we receive and the information we refuse to see or seek out. So, thinking that Don't Look Up is an arrogant attempt to make, to make Americans feel stupid? Look in the fucking mirror.
I have seen so many just absolutely callous and cynical reviews of this film. Look, it's not Goodfellas, right? It's not some sort of uh, <laughs> it's not some sort of amazing. It's not Martin Scorsese coming in. <laughs> no, it's not some sort of amazing uh, uh, film that's going to make you come come back, but like come back again and again. But like to 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 criticize it based on political lines. You're just completely missing it. You're completely missing the fact that uh, McKay and Sirota are making fun of... They're not making fun of Republicans. They're not making fun of Democrats. They're making fun of everybody and how we deal with this shit. In missing it, you're only proving the point of the movie more. And that's the... Yeah, that's the point of the monologue. The The fact that you missed the point actually makes the movie's point stronger. Yeah. Everyone's getting hung up on shitty, stupid little minor details of an overall big problem. Oh, and, and then the people that are just like, oh, it's just silly. We would we would definitely do something about a comet. Like, dude, okay, so now you're missing the satire of it all. Right. <laughs> now right. you're missing the funny part. And because I don't know that we would. Honestly, I don't know that we would, Corey, seriously. Like, if there was if there was actually a comet that was gonna hit the earth and blow us up in six months. I really don't know because you know there would be deniers. Like that's absolutely true. What's really funny is uh, uh, I I was gonna try to find the meme, but I'm not gonna lose my train of thought by trying to look for it. I <laughs> a meme just popped up in my memories, and this was from like six years ago before this movie even came out, and it said, "The internet is wild." If there was an asteroid literally heading towards the Earth, this would be the last meme made, and it's the asteroid, and it's that picture that meme of michael jordan when he's crying <laughs> and it's that face plastered on the earth and they're like this will be the last meme ever made and it's like that's absolutely true <laughs> like in the movie when like the girl uh jennifer lawrence's character when she's freaking out about uh the um the asteroid on tv because they're just trying to downplay it and like over like yeah just like really downplay it and like laugh and scoff about it and stuff like that all the memes that get popped up of her being crazy and not having showing her any, and it just completely delegitimized her and like the whole media movement of them doing it intentionally in the show. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And that's, that's like, that's exactly what we see. Like that to me, to me, that what you just mentioned about the movie is that that's actually a dig at the left because that's yeah. what happened to somebody like Dr. Robert Malone. Like, obviously mm-hmm. he wasn't like memed or anything, but he was deplatformed just for, yeah. Legitimized, yeah. Questioning his own fucking invention, <laughs> right? I mean, it's fucking insane. Th- th- my Henry Ford point is like I cannot imagine that. And you know, Henry Ford comes out and says, "Well, assembly line's great, but there are a few dangers that we should be aware of." Oh, you're deplatformed, Henry Ford. You're not allowed to speak yeah. in the town square anymore because Get this thing makes here. this thing makes us too much money. You anti assembly liner. Yeah, you're not allowed to make cars anymore either. By the way. Right, rip that. We're ripping the Ford emblem off every single car ever made. Boycott Ford. Boycott <laughs> Ford. Boycott yeah, no, the movie Ford. is really good. I liked it a lot. I liked the, uh, like the, uh, the very blatant message of how we're all just a bunch of fucking idiots, <laughs> and uh, how everything is politicized, even objective things like a virus or climate change or you know, a comet heading towards the earth. Yeah. A comet (laughs) heading towards the earth. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's insane to me. It's absolutely insane that people are like completely missing the point, which is only proving the point more of the movie. And that's what makes it so genius. Yeah. That's what yeah, makes it, it is so kind of genius, huh? And it's a lot of smart people too. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh God, you you're you're lost. You're lost right. in, you're lost in your own little echo chamber. Get out. Right. Yeah, exactly. Get out of your echo chamber. I got nothing else for you, Corey Walsh. I got nothing else really, man. Uh, it's a Friday night and I'm not drinking. So I'm probably going to be playing video games and hanging out. Meanwhile, I'm going to uh, edit this show. All right. Yeah. I'm going to order some pizza for the boy. Oh, um, so good. If you enjoyed the show, uh, make sure to like, follow, like, and follow us on all of your podcasts and social media platforms. Um, we, uh, we record typically every Thursday. Today's a Friday. Dan had some furnace problems. Which were not fixed, by the way. Oh, yeah. I didn't even get to ask you about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that off the show. <laughs> this poor guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, find us on all your social media and podcast platforms at LibservativePod on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Libservative on uh, Facebook. It's LibservativePod.wordpress.com. It's where you can find the transcripts to all of our monologues. We post them on there. Um, we stream here on YouTube. We're going to be, st- we, with this new platform, we're going to be streaming on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, all sorts of them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, stay out of that echo chamber. Uh, confront cognitive dissonance. Try to stay away from biases and let's make the world a better place. And until next time, he's been Corey Walsh. And he has been Dan Griffin. This has been Libservative and we're out of here.